Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 127 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio, as always, by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing on this beautiful day? It is a beautiful day. I'm doing fine. Uh, it's a beautiful spring day, and and yeah. uh, you're in a particularly good mood. You're out for a bit of a walk this morning. Yeah, I went for, uh, you know, I, I, my usual routine is to, to work on stuff, prepare for the show on the Saturday morning. I got my work done because I wanted to get outside and have go for a little bit of a walk because here in Newfoundland, we actually have some nice spring-like weather. We never experience spring in full. That doesn't exist in Newfoundland. We just have... <laughs> Just have winter, and then it becomes summer somehow along the way. We, we lose track of time. But, yeah, it's a beautiful day here. Went out for a walk. It was great. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to have the sun. It's, it's, it's a nice bit of a, of a mood boost to have the, have the sun. Well, and, and it, it, it allowed us to, well, fully embrace the spring. And we were talking a bit about, um, a, a bit about baseball coming back, yep. a bit about March Madness. And, and it's just a really fun time of year. Yeah, and next week uh, it is my birthday, next Friday on uh, March 19th, which is also the date that March Madness begins. And Rick, it's that time of year again. Bubble teams are making their final push for a bid while the top seeds are preparing for what they hope will be a long run. And DraftKings is giving all customers a free shot at up to $100,000 excuse me, in total prizes. All you have to do is uh, all I have to do is head to the DraftKings app and make your picks. So download the DraftKings app, head to their free free to play pools page and enter DraftKings free $100,000 tournament seating pool. Free to play pools are easy to play. All you have to do is make your picks for who you think will get a ticket into March's biggest tournament. Free to play pools are easy to stay, to play, just not easy to say. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but how it works? If you have the most answers correct, you win. The bank's completely open. Plus, don't forget about golf's fifth major this weekend taking place in Florida, where DraftKings will have even more money up for grabs. Okay, you have to be sure that uh, we can uh, confirm that DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app 
now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of $100,000 in total prizes with DraftKings tournament seeding pool. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at $100,000 in prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And, of course, that promo code THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network, of which we are proud affiliates. And, Rick, we dropped our bonus episode this past Monday. We did. In advance of that two-game set against the Vancouver Canucks, we had Isha and Dylan from the Hockey Podcast Network on last week's show, episode 126, to discuss Alex Burroughs. And we extended that conversation for a bonus episode. So we we thought we'd try uh, for the first time a bonus episode uh, coming out a couple of days after our, our regular episode. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, y- you guys embraced it. We, we really want to thank you for not only supporting our full uh, episode 126, but being there a couple of days later to... to uh, 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 consume that uh, bonus episode. You really seem to like it as a preview for the games going that week. Um, and it's something we'll probably do again. Again, uh, really appreciate your support. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was a, a great conversation with Isha and Dylan, and we're very happy that they uh, joined us for that conversation. Uh, so, Rick, as we said, that was in advance of a two game set against the Vancouver Canucks. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the games the Montreal Canadiens played this week. And before I mention anything, you want to go and check out the comprehensive post game reviews over at allhabs.net, done by uh, Rick Stevens, uh, my co host here, who has written out all those. And if you're looking for any information about those games, go to those uh, post game reviews at allhabs.net. Uh, but Rick, so it begins last Saturday night against the Winnipeg Jets, and that was an emphatic seven to one win yeah. over the Jets with four goals in the second period that propelled the Canadians to that win and a much needed win and 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 some good vibes finally seeming to have have uh, been obtained by the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, so then you fast forward to Monday night and you get a shootout loss at Vancouver. The Canucks tied it late with an Adam Gaudet goal and they win it in the shootout. The Canadians don't score in the shootout. Uh, and uh, of course they fall to 0 and seven on the season in overtime or the shootout. And we're going to be getting to that in the second segment. You're going you're to want to stick around for that conversation. Uh, Rick, they follow up that game with a win, a 5-1 win over the same Vancouver Canucks, getting a little bit of revenge. Yasperi cut Kanyami with a goal and an assist. Carey Price stopped 23 of 24 shots en route to that win. And then on the second night of a back-to-back, they lose at Calgary. Josh Levo, uh, Josh Levo scored twice for the Canadian, uh, for the Flames. Excuse me. Uh, Corey Perry got the Habs on the board, but that was all that they could muster on the second night of a back-to-back. So, Rick, all in all, not a bad week for the Canadians. Um, you know, they get points in three out of four games. Of course, you don't want to fall to 0-7 in the over in overtime or the shootout. But not not too bad, all things considered. Not too bad at all. Two uh, tight games um, yep. alternating with two kind of blowout games. So it was yeah. uh, an, uh, a little bit of uh, inconsistency by, by Montreal. But uh, I think the consistent part is that Carey Price... Um, Many say is was back. Uh, he was yeah. uh, absolutely solid in his starts. 
he was he was fantastic this week and uh perhaps i might might tip my hand a little bit here because uh, last week brendan gallagher was named uh, my first star of the week in my weekly column and i don't want to give anything away but i think carrie price might be in the weekly column this week because uh, he was very good but last week uh touching on brendan gallagher uh, he just had a tremendous week. He had himself a very good week last week. A goal and an assist against Ottawa, a goal against Winnipeg, two goals and assists against Winnipeg in that 7-1 to win. Six points in three games. I could not ignore the production from Brendan Gallagher, though I do oftentimes like to go a little bit deeper in looking at my three stars of the week. That is just production that you cannot ignore uh, from Brendan Gallagher. Also featuring in my weekly column last week, Yasperi Kotkaniemi, who was my second star, and Jonathan Drouin, who was my third. Uh, but yeah, Rick, uh, just to, I don't want to give anything away, like I said, but uh, Carey Price, I think think he might find himself in there again <laughs> this week. And Brandon Gallagher, uh, uh, that's a great column. Comes out every Sunday, your three stars of the week. And Brandon Gallagher, certainly uh, worthy of the pick, uh, the first star last week. And uh, this week found himself on a, a, a new line. And we'll be talking about that yeah. in a few minutes. Yeah including the one that includes one of my other stars from last week. So we'll be getting to that in just a couple of moments uh, from now. But Rick, we'll go into some roster news because this week the Montreal Canadiens, um, I mean, they haven't been all that affected by injuries this season. You had Yoel Armia miss a couple of games because of concussion, but generally they've been pretty much unscathed. Uh, that changed uh, when their defenseman, Ben Sherratt, suffered a fracture in his right hand and uh, so he will be evaluated in the coming days but it came after a fight with JT Miller and as you mentioned in the in the recap of that game looked like he might have caught uh, JT Miller's helmet and that might be the cause of that injury but yeah so uh, what does this mean for the Montreal Canadiens going forward we've seen Victor Mete in the lineup again we've seen Romanov slot up in the lineup um, and potentially what does this mean uh, for Mark Bergevin, is he going to look at the market and see what exactly is out there for defensemen? It, uh, it's 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 quite interesting uh, how this is, has turned because we heard uh, Mark Bergevin just a week or two ago saying um, he couldn't understand what was happening uh, with the team because there had been no injuries. Well, this yeah. is a significant injury, and uh, while the Canadians have uh, significant depth or a lot more depth, uh, that depth doesn't extend necessarily to uh, the defense core. And uh, so when when Dom Ducharme confirmed that Sherratt had suffered a, a fractured right hand and that he had returned to Montreal on Thursday, it was uh, it, it's it's a concern. Um, you know, he was spotted at the airport heading out uh, his hand in a cast Um if, if he misses any significant time, it's going to be, uh, you know, it, it's going to be difficult. Um, we saw Alexander Romanov bumped up in the lineup uh, to pair with uh, Shea Weber. Um, and uh, frankly, on Thursday night, he, he looked a little bit, um, a little bit overwhelmed, I would say, at times. Um, you know, it's hard to criticize him because he's had such a positive transition, but, uh, to the NHL, but, uh, he is a rookie and, uh, it's a pretty steep uh, request to throw a rookie in, uh, 
uh, right on that uh, top pairing. We we know that Shea Weber casts a wide shadow and can carry uh, his partner if need be, uh, and did with Victor Mate for uh, a time, but it's not ideal. And um, and uh, Alexander Romanov's going to have to be the on the quick study method to, you know, yeah. he's he's facing some pretty tough competition uh, in that first pair, pairing. Uh, Shea Weber plays uh, plays tough minutes every single night. Yeah, and, and I mean, you say that it was with Victor Mete. I mean, it was also with Ben Chirot at the beginning of Chirot's time with the That's Montreal right. Canadiens that you really depended on Shea Weber to elevate Ben Chirot into being the guy that you can now come to depend on uh, to play those minutes. But yeah, it's it's not an ideal situation. And uh, we saw that when Victor Mete got in, he had, a, he had a, a couple good games, but for the most part, wasn't that effective when he drew into the lineup. And most of that, I thought, was to do with the fact that when he did get in there, he was playing with Alexander Romanov, and, and that that didn't really work. And, and also Brett Kulak. But but overall, yeah, not an ideal situation to lose uh, your first pair of left-shot defensemen. Uh, so we'll see how this all unfolds and if uh, Alexander Romanov is, is up to the challenge, if he can uh, learn as a quick study. Um, but Shea Weber, his defensive partner, who has played with him in the last couple of years, he talked about how that fight happened with Ben Sherratt and JT Miller. No, it was nothing. He just came off the, the bench and asked Ben to fight, and Ben stood up for himself and our team, and obviously uh, boys fed off of that and uh, and ended up scoring shortly after that. So it was uh, a great job by him. He was asked after how it came about because uh, reporters were, were confused. They, they said there was no incident that happened. Um, yeah. but, but, uh, reporters don't understand how these things happen. Um, yes, it's as simple as will you fight? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll fight kind of thing. Um, JT Miller wanted to spark his team. Uh, Ben Sherratt wanted to, uh, stand up as, as Shea Weber said, uh, for his, his team. Uh, and so the fight happened and, uh, as Weber said, uh, you know the the outcome was unfortunate, but that fight, uh, to the consternation of, of many Montreal reporters, energized the team. Uh, in the words of of Shea Weber, uh, in the words of many who came to the podium post game, uh, they saw that as a turning point. Of course, thirty two seconds after the fight, it was Kotkaniemi. Uh, scoring the first goal of the game. Yeah. Um, and if that wasn't enough to to show that a fight can have an effect, it happened again against Calgary. This time it was Josh Anderson uh, fighting Milan Lucic um, in the third period. Uh, and uh, just uh, about two minutes or so later, uh, Corey Perry scored uh, the Canadians' first goal. Um a concern there once you saw Ben Schrott going out. You know, Josh Anderson was just yeah. he's just bagging the lineup after being out for yeah. three games uh, and fighting a pretty tough customer in uh, Milan Lucic. But uh, if you look at Josh Anderson's fight history, uh, he shies. He's absolutely fearless. He's fought Tom Wilson, Zdeno Chera, uh, yeah. Chris Stewart. He's yeah, he he's uh, absolutely fearless. And uh, went in all guns a-blazing with uh, Milan Lucic. Yeah, and I mean, look, it, I understand that there are some that, that you know, and, and for me, I'm at a point now where if a fight happens, I, I'm sort of indifferent to fighting in hockey. If it happens, it happens. But it's not something that I look forward to in a game. I'm not looking forward to a game saying, oh, I, I, I hope there's a fight or anything like that. That's just not, eh, that's just not me. But I understand that there are some 
that look at the merits of fighting and say, well, I don't think it can spark a team or, uh, you know, I don't think that it, it obviously does. There's obviously an effect right after the fact. I don't think you can stretch it to say that a fight leads to a win. Like, I, I don't think that that's going, there's just too much that happens in between the time a fight happens and winning a game. Uh, but with that said, yeah, there's, there's obviously an effect right after it's going to spark the team. It's going to get them fired up a little bit. I, I think that that's, that's not a, a, a very, uh, it's a bit of a ridiculous notion, uh, at least as far as, as I'm concerned. But yeah, anyways, uh, there was that. And yeah, Josh Anderson is absolutely uh, not afraid of anybody. And that's a good thing to have on your team. Uh, so Rick, we're going to be getting into uh, some anniversaries. <laughs> and we'll begin with uh, March 11th, which marked the 25th anniversary of the closing of the Montreal Forum. Now, you remember it well, I'm assuming. I remember it very, very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was there. It was a really special uh, night. Um, I wasn't there, uh, but it was uh, <laughs> the closing of the forum uh, and the move to the... It was the move to the Molson uh, Center at that time and before it was known as as the Bell Center. Um, it, was, um, it, it was interesting because... Um, it was a ceremony, and the Canadians are, are well known for doing ceremonies, but the ceremony didn't happen before the game. It happened after the game because it was the closing of the forum. Uh, the Canadians won that game uh, March 11th, 1996, won that game uh, over the Dallas Stars 4-1. to one. Uh, But, you know, if you remember uh, what happened in the game, it was those ceremonies afterwards and uh, having the torch and passing the torch and trotting it out from uh, Butch Bouchard to Pierre Turgeon and, and Jean Beliveau and uh, Serge Savard, Guy Carboneau. Uh, and then there was the moment that, that was just unbelievable. It was Rocket Richard, of course, coming out, accepting the torch in that ring of captains at set yeah. around center ice. And the ovation went on and on and on and on for seven minutes. Canadians fans yeah. stood in in the Montreal Forum, applauded, chanted "Go Habs, go!" Um, it was. If you watch the video, you see a very young-faced Saku Koivu looking on. Um, yeah. You see a much younger Gary Bettman who was in the stands. <laughs> um, it was an unbelievable night, and uh, yeah, that happened 25 years ago this week. Seven minute ovation and two minutes for looking so good for Maurice Richard. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, 25 years. Wow. Um, but Rick, we will uh, we'll move on. And as I said, we are going to be getting to another anniversary that isn't so well uh, received, well well liked. Uh, but before we get there, we have a Habs prospect report. And uh, Cole Caulfield, uh, he has been nominated for the Big Ten Player of the Year. He has. Um, and, and what a year he had. Um, you know, after, after the, maybe a, a not-so-impressive... Uh, time at the World Juniors, uh, he he was fabulous uh, throughout the year. 
Um, he ended up with uh, leading the league uh, uh, in scoring and um, 25 goals on the year, 46 points. Um, now he's uh, up for the uh, the Big Ten uh, Player of the Year, and uh, also nominated are Jack Lafontaine um, with the Gophers and uh, and Cam York, the Flyers prospect, uh, uh, who also had a, a, a terrific season. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll find out about that, and we'll let you know uh, the the results. But uh, a real honor, even being nominated. That's Cole Caulfield uh, in the running for. NCAA Big Ten Player of the Year. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a nice accomplishment in and of itself. So we'll see if he uh, if he takes it home or if he uh, is one of the if he if he doesn't even then still a great year. Um, but Rick, we'll move on because the Laval Rocket were in action on Friday night against the Toronto Marlies, and we saw a familiar face for the Marlies. Alex Galchenyuk uh, in the lineup for the Marlies, and and he's uh, been a little traveled this uh, this season. Yeah. Uh, but my goodness, he looked good on the top line with uh, Nick Patan, who I always liked Nick Patan. Yes. Uh, yeah. Alexander Barabanov, uh, and the three of them were just dynamite uh, for the Marlies against the Rocket. Alex Galchenyuk finished finished the night with a goal and assist. And two minutes for roughing. He almost had the Gordy Howe. Uh, he had a bit of a skirmish with uh, uh, Blendeezy. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, certainly a, a, a good night for Alex Galchenyuk. A good night for the the Marlies. They get the four three win. Uh, but uh, also, I I thought Jesse Yelonen again looked tremendous. A goal and an assist for him. Um, so. Uh, be sure to uh, to follow our Rocket coverage, and you can find that at AHLReport.com. We have uh, Chris G. and, and Amy Johnson uh, with both the, the game coverage, the, uh, the uh, media scrums, uh, and uh, all the coverage that you want on social media, even uh, tweeting as well. So uh, be sure that you, you uh, follow our Rocket coverage. Uh, on the AHLReport.com. Absolutely. You do not want to miss uh, any of that coverage. They uh, do such a fine job. And, Rick, uh, the fine job that you and Amy Johnson do on the Press Zone podcast, and, and we saw a little bit of a, of a change in the in the format of the Press Zone podcast, uh, splitting it up into two different podcasts, but uh, still very still a very insightful and very interesting listen. Well, the... The Press Zone is uh, the sister podcast of our Canadians Connection here. The Press Zone focused on hockey prospects, uh, and it has grown. Uh, it has grown to the uh, extent that it's evolved into two podcasts. We now yeah. have the Press Zone Montreal, focusing on uh, the Canadians prospect, and we have the Press Zone Philadelphia, uh, focused on the Flyers prospects. So, uh, you'll want to uh, you'll want to catch those. Uh, be sure to be subscribed to the Press Zone. Um, and this past week, there was an interesting uh, interview with uh, Flyers prospect Isaac Radcliffe, and that, of course, is of interest to Flyers fans. But it's also of interest to Canadians fans because Isaac Radcliffe grew up uh, just around the corner from Nick Suzuki. Uh, they played together in minor hockey. Of course, they played together in Guelph. And uh, and we had an exclusive interview with him. And, and he has some pretty interesting things to say about his old friend, Nick Suzuki. Yeah, so you don't want to miss that. You're definitely going to want to check out that interview uh, with Isaac Radcliffe. But uh, Rick, we'll move on because um, 
last week, of course, we talked a lot about Stefan Waite last week and the firing, the dismissal of Stefan Waite, how that happened in the middle of a of a 3-1 win over the Ottawa Senators. It was a bizarre circumstance that surrounded all that. But Stefan Waite continued his media tour talking about his firing, and he shared some additional information this week. A couple of extra nuggets that were interesting. And yes, he is certainly making the rounds of the media, and he's <laughs> been very open. Um, you know, he, he said before, and we talked about it last week, about uh, Price's inability to trust his defensemen, something we have been saying, which led Price to uh, start processing too much information. And and uh, Stefan Waite wanted him to focus, to simplify his game, to just concentrate on the shooter. And he's been repeating that throughout. Um, but he also talked about uh, the fact that um, there's been a, a, an improvement uh, um, in the, the way that, that the Canadians uh, have played defensively. And Stefan Waite uh, doesn't necessarily... He thought that Kerry was playing uh, well, uh, from the beginning of the season, he thought that um, that uh, the defensive system was really letting um, uh, Carey Price down and um, and and giving up way too many high quality, high danger scoring chances. Um, and that that now that the team has been playing better, uh, Carey Price has been able to focus on that single shooter, uh, simplify his game, uh, and so he. He saw the improvements uh, overall as being a combination of things that Kerry has done, but also uh, Dominic Descharm coming in and fixing the uh, defensive game, uh, which was which was certainly well needed. Um, he he talked again about as we we said uh, Kerry Price getting ad- adjusted to this. Uh, it was almost a 50-50 workload with with uh, Jake Allen and. And, and with the plan as it is now for Kerry to play two of every three games uh, with uh, Jake Allen on, on the one-third um, end of it. Um, he was asked about, well, if, if Jake Allen is, is, uh, is playing better, why not play Jake Allen more? And he said that, uh, first of all, um, that he said, I have the stats, I have the analytics here. For whatever reason, uh, the Canadians were playing better defensively in front of Jake Allen than they were in front of Carey Price. And if they played as well in front of Carey Price, um, you know, it, it would have been a much better outcome. Uh, but he said uh, something very similar to what you had said last week in that um, Jake Allen, whenever he's been the, the go-to guy, he just hasn't been able to, to, to handle it. Um, he, he said uh, that, that uh, he can't step up his game to the next level, that he's, his ideal ratio of games is one in every three, and that's when he can be effective. And um, again, that was, that was something that you had said uh, last week as well. <laughs> Well, see, now I feel smart because, Rick, you said a couple of weeks back you talked about Carey Price overthinking the game because he had to account for the, you know, the the errors or the the lapses in judgment that Carey Price defenseman might make. And Stefan Waite said the same thing that you said. And now I feel smart because <laughs> Stefan Waite is, is echoing things that I've said. So <laughs> I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm part of the group now. I feel good. But, Rick, yeah, that's that's it. Right. It's it's you know what Jake Allen is. And this is the exact role. Anything outside of this exact role, anything more 
than this exact role, Jake Allen is not equipped to handle it. And we know that because if you look at the numbers and everyone has been pointing and saying, look at the save percentage, look at the goals against average. And we've been saying, well, actually, if you look back to the years where he's played more games, that that takes a nosedive. Those stats go off a cliff because he can't handle it. And that's nothing against Jake Allen because in this exact precise role, which is very valuable, he can still have a huge impact on your team. He is good at this. This is something that he can do and he can handle and do at a very good level. Anything more is, yeah, as, as, as Stefan Wade said, he's not that guy. He just isn't that guy. We know that from, you know, from the past 10 years of Jake Allen. And, St- and St. Louis Blues fans know it a bit better than, than we do. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> a couple of other things he said. Um, we had heard him say before about injuries. And uh, he uh, Stefan Waite said about Carey Price, quote, he's pretty banged up. Back, ankles, hips, knees. Uh, so that that he wants to, his plan when, when uh when it was going to be a full 82 games, he wanted Carey in the 50 to 55 game range, uh, the backup, in this case, Jake Allen, in the 25 to 30 uh, range. And he said that is a perfect uh, kind of ratio for both goaltenders. Uh, he was asked, um, there seems to be a common thread out on social media, oh, Carey Price is dropping to his knees too much. Um, Stefan Waite said no. Not at all. Nope, not at all was his answer. Uh, and it's 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 about um, uh, covering the bottom of the net. That's just modern modern goaltending. Yeah. Um, that's just that's just the way things go. He, he was asked about Kerry's uh, uh, attitude, and he said it's it's great that that Kerry plans to finish his career with the Canadians, and his his uh, lifelong dream is to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, in Montreal, um, I thought it was interesting during the week when Kerry was asked uh, about what technical adjustments he, he made. And Kerry said, no, nope, I'm not giving that to you. I'm not, I'm not revealing <laughs> my technical uh, adjustments at all, uh, which is kind of in contrast to to what uh, Stefan Waite has been uh, a sharing yeah. out there. Um, and and again, uh, he he confirmed that. Uh, Mark Bergevin, just as was said with with uh, uh, the change from uh, Claude Julien to uh, Dom Ducharme, uh, this, uh, Bergevin used the same uh, reasoning that a new voice was needed. So a new voice was needed in the head coach area. A new voice was needed, that being Sean Burke now and, and Marco Marciano with respect to the goalie coach. And one only wonders when it's going to be time for a new voice from the general manager, and, and we'll see yeah. if we'll see if that uh, plays itself out. But uh, again, that's uh, um, Stefan Wait confirmed that Mark Bergevin was very blunt to him, saying, "Listen, if I don't fire you, and uh, we don't make the playoffs, I'm next being fi- fired." So uh, he's uh, pretty worried about his job. Um, I'll I'll just say oh uh, uh, Stefan Waite said he he got a nice phone call from Jeff Molson um, thanking him for his efforts um, and the other thing that uh, Stefan was Waite was asked about was Caden Primo and he said that uh, as he said before Rem- Primo reminds him a lot of Corey Crawford uh, just his his size his demeanor his technique. Uh, but he he warned, uh, be very very patient with Primo. It's going to take him a long time. He reinforced that Primo needs at least 
200 games with uh, in the AHL with the Rocket. Um, he's at 39 games now. Um, he's had a decent start to, to this uh, uh, season, a 4-3 and three record, 258 um, uh, goals against, and 892 save percentage. So he's not, he's not you know... He's not dominating in in the no. AHL, and he needs to, and he needs to put in the work. He needs to put in the games. He needs to build the consistency, and that's going to probably take uh, three three seasons uh, more in the AHL. So, um, I got some statistic here for you, but I want to give you a chance to to react <laughs> to those kinds of things that uh, yeah. Stefan Waite said. Well, just on the primo front, because, yeah, that's one thing, because we remember when he was called up last year, right, when he was called up and it was sort of a distraction from everything that was going on with the eight game losing streaks and everything that was sort of uh, it was a cloud hanging over Montreal, really. And they called him up and that was the thing that sort of diverted attention away from <laughs> the dumpster fire for a little bit. And anyways, it, it was the is the notion at that time that he should have been called up. And he should have been the backup goaltender to Carey Price. And that's his introduction to the NHL. He just stays there. And that's that's it. That's it. That's what you do. You, you know, you wipe your hands and say, that's your goaltender. That's your backup goaltender. <laughs> and it's sort of like I understand why people have said that, because people look at the transition from Carey Price and they immediately assume that, well, that's something that all goaltenders can do. It's not. Carey Price did something that is very rare and probably should not have been done at the time. He was a 21-year-old, 20-year-old, actually. Or was he 21? 20, 20, 20, 21. Either way, he was a very young goaltender that was probably rushed a little bit too soon. And you can see that that might be something that if you look at Carter Hart in Philadelphia, yeah. and I'm not saying that Carter Hart, I don't, uh, Amy Johnson will be the, the voice of the Philadelphia Flyers, and I will say if, if, if she believes that Carter Hart is not to blame, then he's not to blame. But he is having a bit of a rough season statistically. And if you remember, back to Carey Price's sophomore season, his third season, it took a bit of a dip. The numbers took a little bit of a dip. Not necessarily his fault, nothing that he really did wrong. It's just the way that you sort of grow into these things, into being a professional hockey player. You're going to have some growing pains. And that's the problem. If you try to rush along a goaltender, especially one like Caden Primo, who's got a lot of the tools, but is just a little bit raw. You need needs a little bit more seasoning. And Stefan Way pointed out maybe 200 games in that ballpark, get him some experience at the AHL level before he makes that jump. Because, yeah, he, he made some nice saves. He, everyone remembers the save and Carey Price's reaction on the bench. But it's it takes a lot more than that just to, to be an NHL goaltender, right? And and it needs some you need some seasoning, especially for a young guy like Primo, who you have a lot of hopes for, but it takes some time. And Carter Hart was, is a perfect example because he was definitely rushed. Uh, Philadelphia yeah. in desperate need of goaltending, and, and he was rushed through the, the AHL probably before he was ready. Uh, and yeah. is is experiencing some uh, some issues now. Um, I just wanted to ask um, you, and I'll ask the listeners: Would you want this goalie on your team? I, I just had a look at um, uh, starters uh, starters for each of their teams, and those who played 700 minutes in the NHL right now uh, were at the midpoint yeah. uh, in the season. Um, so this goaltender is fifth. In five on five save percentage at 931. Uh, this goaltender is tied for second in high danger save percentage 
with Marc-Andre Fleury uh, just behind Vasilevsky. And Marc-Andre Fleury is recognized as being having uh, a very good season. Uh, rejuvenated, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so tied with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury in high danger save percentage for second place. Uh, high danger uh, goals above uh, saves above average uh, is fourth. And uh, goals saved above average is fifth. Uh, do you know all of that applies to Carey Price? Now, for those that are lamenting uh, and talking <laughs> about uh, him having a bad season, and I, I understand that that numbers can sometimes be dangerous, and especially those who don't understand uh, them, and they 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 toss them out there. Uh, but these are the kind for goaltenders. These are the kind of values that are important. Um, you know, the the five on five play is really important, and the Canadians we know. Are, are really having a struggle with their penalty kill um, yeah. so that that penalty kill, uh, those penalty kill issues can sometimes skew the uh, the other numbers. Uh, but if you look at what me- is meaningful to goaltenders and goaltending coaches, uh, Carey Price is doing okay, and we've seen him very strong in the last four starts. Um, and uh, uh, he's, he's saved, I don't have it in front of me, but... A uh, hundred and six out of the last one hundred and ten shots he's faced thereabouts. Um, yeah, he's uh, got a goals against in those four starts of one uh, save percentage about nine sixty three or thereabouts. Uh, so I think uh, Carey Price is is uh, is all right. And and yeah. uh, listen, Jake Allen, um, his last win is February sixth. He's lost five straight starts. Um, is that all Jake Allen's fault? Should we be criticizing Jake Allen? No. He is performing uh, as he, he needs to be in that yep. backup role. Uh, and he'll get his wins. Uh, part of yep. it is due to uh, the difficulties, mostly when he's in goal, uh, that the Canadians haven't been able to generate offense. Uh, but I'm not going to yeah. criticize Jake Allen anymore. I'm going to criticize uh, Carey Price. They're both doing the job they were brought in to do. And ultimately, I mean, when you look at what the role of Jake Allen is, it's going to be playing on the second night of a back-to-back. And he's going to have a group in front of him more often than not that is a little bit tired, a little bit worn down. And he gave the Canadians a chance to win the game against the Calgary Flames on a second night of a back-to-back, only allowed two goals, kept them within that sort of, uh, in in the game at least, and, and in that op- had an opportunity to be there. And, and Corey Perry scored in the in the third period, as I said, so... There, there was an opportunity there, and that's that's exactly it. You don't need to 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 say that one goalie is doing good. You don't need to say that the other one isn't doing good, right? Like, you don't right. need to have that conversation all the time, even though some would love to. Uh, but, Rick, as you said, we, we, we mentioned that there was a little bit of tinkering with the forward lines for the Montreal Canadiens that saw and, a and just, new look second line. Oh, yeah? And just before we get to that, if, if you don't trust our word, I, I just want to play something if, before we go on, if I oh, can, yes. uh, right, uh, right, right. Uh, from Shea Weber. Yeah. I think we've just been a lot better in front of him, to be honest. I think at the start of the year, we were leaving him and Jacob to dry, and we got fortunate, and they, they bailed us out big time. But I think we've uh, improved a lot in front of them, and... Uh, Obviously, that helps uh, helps him settle in a little bit. Just to put a ball well, on, on that. Yeah. Just, the, yeah. And, uh, yeah, now that Shea Weber has said it, it is the truth because everything <laughs> that Shea Weber says is true. That is a fact. Um, that might not be a fact. But, anyways, Rick, we'll move on. As I said, we were going to talk about 
the new look second line for the Montreal Canadiens. Dominic Ducharme unveiled a new second line for the Montreal Canadiens that includes two of my three, uh, three stars of the week uh, from last week's column, Brendan Gallagher uh, and Jesperi Kotkaniemi, along with Tyler Toffoli. And that is a, a very interesting looking line. And Rick is somebody who has for some time now wanted to see Jesperi Kotkaniemi center the line with Tomas Tatar and Brendan Gallagher. I'll take this because obviously Tyler Toffoli has been fantastic. And Brendan Gallagher, maybe you're looking to shake things up a little bit, try to get him going, even though he had a fine week uh, against uh, the Ottawa Senators and Winnipeg Jets last week. It's still, it, it's it's refreshing to see some changes, some some trying something different, right? To just see, you know what you get, right? You know what you have with some of these line combinations. It's, it's cool to see a, a different way of doing things. A real landscape shift uh, this this week uh, because you have Suzuki with Duran and, and Anderson uh, in uh, Suzuki in the top center spot. What we've been wanting to see is a return to what happened at the end of the, the, the playoffs, and that was uh, Kakanyemi in the second spot. He's there now. Kakanyemi uh, centering the second line with uh, Toffoli, and those two have been together most of the season, but then adding the, the punch of, of Gallagher on the right side, um, leaving uh, Dano and Tatar together. Tatar uh, having a bit of, a, of an underwhelming season so far and uh, with uh, Armia on the right side. So uh, that's a very different change, a, a very big change and, and uh, lines very different from what we've seen up until this point. And uh, I have to say, I like it. Yeah, I mean, it, it. it's just refreshing to see, because as I said, you know what you have. And people were talking about, oh, well, you should just keep Deneau, Gallagher, and Tatar together. I think that's complacency. I think that's mm-hmm. complacency. You know what you have with that. Try something different and see if you get results with it. And you have Tyler Toffoli, who has been the, the Canadians' most prolific goal scorer, alongside with a guy in Yasperi Kotkaniemi, whose lines always dictate possession, who always have a say in how things are going when he's out on the ice. And Brendan Gallagher, who's been your most consistent forward the last six seasons. Like, there's this is a very good move, I think, from Dominic Ducharme. And it sounds like the players are very excited about it. Uh, and you had... Uh, you you heard from Brendan Gallagher here on playing with Kaniemi and Toffoli. Oh, I know what type of player those two guys are. Um, you know, obviously, I think everyone's learned how quickly and uh, how dangerous Toff is. And with KK, you know, I think everyone's been pretty impressed with how he's grown as a player. You know, all over the ice, the skill and the the talent level has always been there. I think he's added uh, little details that to his game that are helping. He seems to be stronger in the puck. He seems to be winning battles. Um, and when you do all those things, the the talent takes over. So for me, my job is, is simple. Uh, work hard, make you know, make their lives easier. Try and put the puck on their stick, get to the net, and hopefully as a line, we should be able to have some success. I know, you know, KK when he has the puck in the middle of the ice, he's he's very dynamic, moving it both sides and uh, and creating opportunities for his wingers. So I think, uh, you know, I'm obviously looking forward to that. Hopefully, uh, the three of us can contribute and um, just do what we've been doing as a team here lately, and that's uh, every line being clicking and you have that accountability within the within the lineup. So I think, you know, it's it's going to be on us to to play well tonight. We we heard uh, Ducharme talking about uh, creating options, 
Um, and certainly Kakanyemi um, has, uh, he, he's known mostly as, as a playmaker and can dish to uh, Toffoli, who you said is, is uh, leading the Canadians in goals. Uh, Gallagher, who uh, can be a goal scorer as well. But the other option is uh, we, we saw Kakanyemi with that quick release. Uh, he can yep. shoot the puck, and that's the other option. Uh, so if he can be in the center winning battles, uh, if he can be strong on the puck, like Gallagher said, um, and and uh, oppositions not knowing if he's going to be taking the shot or or uh, passing it off to his line mates, that's that's a pretty potent uh, second line for the Montreal Canadiens. And Jesperi Kotkaniemi has got a deceptive release on that shot. So he's not somebody that, you know, goaltenders, and you don't see it often, right? Because <laughs> he doesn't use it as often as maybe he should. So it might be that unexpected third guy that you don't think is going to bite you who ultimately applies the dagger himself in Jesperi Kotkaniemi. But, Rick, in addition to that, so we had Tyler Toffoli talking. And, and of course, as you mentioned, he's played with Kotkaniemi for, uh, for much of this season. And now he talks about playing with Gallagher as well as KK. I'm I'm excited. Um, Galley's obviously he's a great player. He works hard, and KK and I have played together for majority of the season. So um, we're going to go out there and and work hard, try and you know maintain possession of the puck and play the right way and do some good things. A shorter clip. Gallagher was very descriptive in his analysis, and yeah. Toffoli's very to the point uh, that uh, he he's uh, embracing the opportunity. Uh, of playing with Gallagher, and as you said, uh, as as we said earlier, uh, his combination, that chemistry uh, that yeah. Toffoli has developed with Kotkaniemi. And to round out the trio, uh, we had Jesperi Kotkaniemi talking about playing with Gallagher and Toffoli. I think it worked really good today. My job is actually really easy there. Tough is uh, really good with the puck, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, you always find set. Punch the guys wherever they are, and uh, everyone knows Gal. He's uh, working really hard, so uh, you know he's uh, doing most of my jobs too. So it's really easy for me. The second most quotable person yeah. on the Montreal Canadiens <laughs> right now. Love his his uh, pressers. Oh yeah, and he still got that energy about him. We, we remarked at the time when he came back from the bubble, or when he came to the bubble uh, after that that spleen injury, that he he seemed to have a bit of a change in his demeanor but we still see the personality shine shine through time uh, time to time uh rick we'll move on because uh, there is some news from the nhl commissioner this week uh regarding the 2021 2022 season and uh gary bettman said that he expects a fully normal season for 2021 2022 and that they will start on time in addition to that he's also optimistic that fans will return in greater numbers towards the playoffs and finally, we'll, we'll say this, the NHL will return to standard divisions next season. Apologies to those <laughs> who have loved the North Division, but that is the plan as of right now to return to the Atlantic and all the other divisions that we've come to know. So, Rick, some, some very interesting information there. For sure. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to predict uh, what's going to happen yes. uh, months down the road, but he's fully hopeful uh, we've seen fans start coming back, fifteen uh, yep. percent uh, in places like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, um, and uh, and he's hopeful that by the time the playoffs roll around, that uh, there's going to be many more fans um, in 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 the buildings. Uh, the return to uh, the the divisions, um, sure, we've loved the the uh, the Canadian division, the North division, um, but you know. 
Um, I, I think we're missing the uh, rivalry with uh, the Boston yeah. Bruins and and seeing other teams. And um, and the funny thing is that um, when when you don't have the other games, you it's it's more difficult to know what's happening. You know, how are the yes, Anaheim yeah. Ducks playing this this year? Yes. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so uh, how the Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, we know the Columbus Blue Jackets. We know how they're doing. They're binge. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, it's it's that. kind. Of, so uh, Gary said that that um, about one third prefer to stay in the divisions as they are now. Two thirds of the fans want to return. He did say that they may look at for scheduling. Uh, a, a couple of uh, pairing a couple of games, having a, a, a team come in and plant for two or three games. Um, they're kind of open yeah. to that and, and we'll see if the players are. Um, so maybe some sort of hybrid next year, but uh, as close to normal as as uh, as the circumstances allow. And, and look, I think that this season alone, just to have the one year of the North Division for Canadian rivalries, that's done a lot. Like just the one year of this, I think, is going to do wonders for it. And we talked about it, right? Like the Maple Leafs Canadians rivalry, I don't think it, it, it hasn't been at the forefront like it maybe should be because both teams haven't lined up in the years that they've been good. So there hasn't been much reason to get invested. This feels like a year where you see more of that. You see a lot more of the battles of Alberta and obviously the battles of Ontario. And you get, you know, the Jets and the Canucks in there as well. It's It's been fun. But, yeah, you do miss seeing the Boston Bruins. You do miss seeing some of the other teams, even, the, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins, seeing a game mm-hmm. against Sidney Crosby, you know, seeing uh, some of the Western Conference opponents like Nathan McKinnon and the, and the Colorado Avalanche. You know, those are games that you miss. You miss seeing those teams and, and having a little bit more of an idea of how they're performing this year. But, yeah, so, Rick, all of this is because the NHL has signed a new seven-year broadcast and streaming agreement with ESPN and that was the big news of the week a seven-year deal and the information uh, on this so Rick it's it's going to be uh, let me just see oops sorry uh, it's going to be very interesting I'm sorry I'm trying to open up the uh, the screenshot that I have of the agreement but it's a very interesting deal and it includes Hulu ESPN plus streaming services in addition to ESPN itself and ABC it's the whole and ABC. Disney Disney family, yeah. um, and this was the the, the reason why uh, both the NHL and the NHLPA wanted to play this season, rather than yes. you know there was some uh, talk about oh just skip the season and and pick it up again in the fall. Uh, the the league and the players association wanted to play this because then that that finished the last year of the uh, contract with NBC, and they were really wanting they saw. The move to back to ESPN as a way of uh, of restoring some of the health of the league. Um, yeah, you know, this this uh, this year they talk about projected revenues of about two billion dollars, which sounds like a lot of money, uh, but that's down from five billion. That's that's a loss yeah. of three billion dollars, and and uh, that lack of revenue, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna catch up to the players as well because we remember that they, there's a 50-50 split in the revenue. Uh, so this flat cap and the escrow is gonna last for uh, the foreseeable future, even with this uh, with this new agreement. Uh, 2.8 billion dollars over the seven years, uh, and so from the the Disney family, ESPN family, um, uh, there's going to be 400. Uh, uh, 
million a year. And then there's a part B that's coming another 200 million expected uh, in the, in the part B uh, package, which will either be NBC or it'll be Fox. It'll yeah. be, it'll be one of those. Now this is, you know, Gary had uh, kind of hinted that he was looking at 700, 750 million a year. Um, but uh, given the conditions of the pandemic, I think this is a, a very good deal for, for the league. Interesting to me is, you know, we have uh, the NHL uh, uh, streaming package, the center ice and whatnot. NHL yeah. TV in the States is going to be rolled into ESPN. So if you subscribe to ESPN Plus uh, or the Disney pa- or there's a, uh, a Disney Plus, ESPN and Hulu yeah. bundle, I think, uh, you're going to get uh, via ESPN uh, what used to be NHL uh, TV, which is uh, is 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 a big deal for um, a, a much more affordable, I think, for uh, the U.S. Uh, consumers. Yeah, and and this is a very interesting because, as you said, there's you know the maybe there's going to be agreement between ESPN and and NBC. NBC will retain some parts of the rights that they had. Of course, the interesting wrinkle with that, as we talked about before the show. NBC Sports Network is no more. So that's that's a very interesting mm. part of this. But, Rick, it, the NBA deal, uh, and this took place back in October of 2014, there's, there's, there's some interesting parallels because ESPN and TNT share the rights of the NBA. ESPN ultimately gets the NBA Finals. But, yeah, that was a nine-year deal that was reached in 2014 that drastically changed the landscape of the league. And remember people talking about it at the time that the, that the free agency landscape was going to drastically change because contracts were going to inflate after this new TVD, TV deal came into effect. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any ramifications with that. But that's an interesting because as you know, one of the big four major sports leagues, uh, the uh, NBA is an interesting one to compare to. And yeah, that was a very interesting deal at the time. And it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, there, there's there could be Fox there. They, there seems to be belief that a Fox could be the dark horse and it, people comparing it to the NFL, where you have multiple rights holders, multiple networks with a with a stake in it. And, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all sort of unfolds. But the end result uh, it looks like a little bit more of a, of a higher regard in ESPN's coverage of the NHL uh, and, and more play on the Sports Center highlight reels and everything like that. So that's some good exposure uh, for the uh, for the NHL. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. So Rick, um, we mentioned an anniversary. So we talked about one really good anniversary, uh, the 25th of the closing of the Montreal Forum uh, yesterday. March 12th marked the uh, one-year anniversary of the NHL pausing the 2019-2020 season. And, Rick, at the beginning of the season, uh, we played a clip of me reacting to that, reacting to the season being paused and how surreal that was. So to mark the one-year anniversary, let's take a step back to episode 75. And here is you on episode 75 of the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, this is serious. This is this is going to change our lives. Um, yep. We're going to have to act differently. We're going to have to behave differently. But it's all out of being able to protect the ones that that we love. And uh, and and let's do it. Let let yep. let's pull together and 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 do this. To put it into context, um, now that was that was our first podcast, episode seventy five, as you said, after the uh, NHL season was and all sports were were paused. Yep. 
We had no yeah. idea what we were facing. Uh, the NHL in, in, was talking about, well, we'll have to uh, close down for a week and practice facilities will be closed for a week and players are, are to stay in their uh, home cities and, and, uh, and, and, you know, we were, we were wondering how we were supposed to react. And, and uh, you know, people at the time were saying, oh, this is an overreaction. Um, yeah. But um, that was just my uh, comments at the time, um, that it was, it was going to be life-changing. And as it turned yep. out, uh, it was. Uh, and that we needed to band together and, and uh, uh, just focus on protecting uh, our loved ones and the people that we care about and, and uh, uh, working together, we would somehow um, get through that. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been without cost, uh, with a great number yeah. of people, uh, who've lost their lives. Uh, and we're, we're starting to see some hope with vaccines being, uh, distributed and, and with some fans yeah. coming back only now to, uh, the arenas that have been uh, quiet for so long. And, uh, it was just, uh, you know, such an odd time. It was a, a, an odd time. Um, we didn't know what we were, we were facing then. We just kind of reacted, uh, yeah. emotionally and spontaneously and, and, uh, and it's, it's been, it's been quite a year. Yeah. And thinking back on that show, that was one of the more, it, cause you didn't really know what to say, right? Like there's nothing that you, you couldn't prepare for that. It was just really what you were feeling at the moment in time that we were recording that ended up in the episode, uh, episode 75. But yeah, Rick, uh, very well said we needed to, uh, at that time, we didn't really know what we were facing and we needed to band together. And yeah, it's uh, certainly been a difficult year and, uh, unfortunately lost so many, uh, lives, but, um, we're, we're out the other side we see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and, and hopefully, uh, we can get back to, uh, some sense of, of normalcy. Um, so Rick, we'll say, uh, we'll say all uh, we say all that we said there uh, on the uh, on the one year anniversary of of a, a very difficult uh, time. But uh, we will take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, we're going to be talking about special teams and overtime, and those have been a couple of things that uh, have been at the forefront for the Montreal Canadiens. So stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team visit allhabs.net and click the join our team tab today in every city around the world sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints some good grub and to cheer for their team think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. 
Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. allhabs.net And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Whalen19. And with me in studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, so, Rick, we are going to devote this second segment to talk about special teams and the uh, play in overtime uh, specifically. Um, so we'll begin with special teams, um, because last week we talked about Alex Burroughs, uh, the new assistant coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Nick Suzuki, Suzuki talked about his impact on the power play, um, and we heard from Alex Burroughs for the first time this week uh, after speaking about uh, him last week with Isha and Dylan uh, from the Hockey Podcast Network. We heard from him in his first media availability this week. No, I didn't think it was going to happen this quick, especially with um, this team. Maybe deep down, I was kind of hoping for, but counting, I was seeing that. Um, I, w- I was shocked when I got the news that that, that night that Mark called me and uh, announced to me that uh, there was a car service that are going to pick me up the next morning and I was going to join the team in Ottawa. Uh, obviously, I was really shocked. I didn't expect the call, but at the same time, I was really excited, really thrilled to get a chance to get back in the NHL with my uh, childhood team and uh, to uh, chase that Lord Stanley again. So, um, even if it's as a coach, for me, it'd be a dream come true. So uh, really excited about this challenge. It's going to take time. It's going to uh, but at the same time, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season and see how our team plays. And uh, and the best thing for, for me, like our guys care so much and they want to do well. And we have a good group of guys that, so I'm excited about that. That's probably the biggest thing for as a coach, when you have a team that you see, you can feel that guys care for each other, that goes long way and uh, I've seen it in Vancouver Ottawa some years uh, like you win in the locker room when guys care and they want to do well and we have uh, put a plan in place that's clear that limits the gray zones and gray areas uh, everybody knows what they got to do um, normally it's a good formula for success so uh, that's what we're trying to do here boy he covered a lot of ground there didn't he yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, so obviously this is uh, an exciting moment for uh, Alex Burroughs. Uh, talked about his his childhood team, getting a chance to coach them. Uh, he, he, he mentioned the fact that he would always uh, uh, get the gears from his Vancouver teammates yeah. when he was a player that he would uh, you know sit down to watch the Canadians games at four o'clock four o'clock Pacific time uh, when they were uh, his team had a uh, a game at seven and uh, uh, talking about now getting a chance to um, moving up from the AHL uh, to the NHL and getting another chance to chase a, a Stanley Cup this time um, as a coach. Um, he talked about having a uh, an interesting relationship with the players, given that you know he's he's not so far uh, removed from from his playing days and. And when they saw him him in the Ring of Honor up in Vancouver, 
they they certainly question why he was even there and and really <laughs> <laughs> given him uh, the gears and 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 the way he ended that I thought was really important where he said that guys care about winning guys care about each other and Mark Bergevin must have seen the same thing uh, that chemistry within the room but that, that something wasn't working and that's why he made the change. Uh, to bring in the new voices of, of the coaching staff uh, to capitalize on that feeling in the room and, and that opportunity for success with uh, such good feelings for each other. Yeah, absolutely. And and as you said, I mean, Alex Burroughs is not far removed from his playing days. That brings some energy right, right there is the fact that he's not very, these guys know that Alex Burroughs fought those battles he got to a stanley cup final in much of the same way that they knew that that, that kirk muller would, had fought mm-hmm. those battles it's not different from that it's not that you know um that alex burroughs is more relatable for these guys than kirk was but a, a new voice i guess would would be the thing that uh, that that benefits alex burroughs in this situation but in addition to that so we talked about nick suzuki speaking on the things that alex burroughs is incorporating into the power play there's been some consternation (laughs) there's been a little bit of questioning about Shea Weber's role on the power play and if he should be there on the power play and uh, Alex Burroughs talked about the importance of Shea Weber on the Canadians power play obviously uh, Shea's got one of the best shots in the league or uh, that's one timer I've seen obviously uh, he's a weapon for sure on our unit Um, teams PKs are gonna shadow him as much as they can so no one so they don't let that shot come out. For me, I have different units. And with Shea, when he's on the flanks for that one-timer, I'd love to see him tee it off every time he has a chance. If it, he, we're able to tee, tee him up for him, that would be a great play. If he's at the top and we have Joe off the flank, it's different looks. But sometimes uh, he might be a decoy and we'll run a, another play because knowing that uh, they're going to shadow him. Uh, a lot of goes into it, and um, I'm not worried about Shea. I know how he prepares. I know how he cares about this team. He's the ultimate captain. I've seen only good things about him so far. The way he acts, he conducts himself, the way he cares about this, his teammates, the way he cares about uh, how the team does. So I'm not worried about him at all. Uh, but as we move forward, we'll need him to shoot that puck, and we'll need to find lanes for him, and we'll have to create some lanes for him to let that shot go because it's one of the best weapons in the league. Well, you, you mentioned you used the word consternation about uh, Shea Weber on the power play. There's a, there's been by uh, a handful of Montreal reporters a campaign uh, that they're trying to drive to remove Shea Weber from the power play, and it always struck me as yeah okay it's it's uh, it feeds into some of the fan uh, concern and those you know the ones who still don't like the trade that happened with Subban and whatnot. Uh, it feeds into that, and, and it's click-driven and gender-driven, maybe. Um, but I never understood it, given that, that teams plan uh, their their PK strategy around Shea Weber. And uh, yeah. Alex Burroughs, obviously, he nailed that um, and said that, that, uh, that uh, Shea Weber is one of... Uh, the best weapons uh, on the power play in the league. And we saw that uh, there was another milestone this week with uh, Shea Weber moving into the top 10 in power play goals all time. Um, uh, um, and and uh, we heard uh, Alex Burroughs saying, whenever he gets that puck, I want him to take a one-timer as much as possible. I want him shooting all the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not... 
uh, it's it's the job of of uh, the guys, um, the, the rest of the forwards to number one, create lanes to open lanes for that shot. And the other is to create options so that that sometimes uh, Weber can be used as a decoy and then uh, there can be an equal threat with the the down low play. I, I really liked uh, what he said and his philosophy and obviously it's making an impact with the players as well. Yeah, and this is it for me is, I mean, you know the Weber, you know that Weber has that weapon of that one timer. We know that. The thing that I've always said is that when he's out there on the ice, it's about the four other guys with him. If those guys can create, there's so much more space because they know that they the, the penalty killers know they need to have someone basically planted at Shea Weber to block that shot or try to de- 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 deter it, try to get a stick in there, break up a pass. And obviously, if, if someone does block the shot, they're they're out of the play then. That's <laughs> Then it's a five on three. So that's the thing, right, is the other four guys who are with him, they need to be the difference makers. They need to be the quarterbacks because the thing that I said was you need to have somebody with Shea Weber that is going to be the quarterback like Jeff Petrie is. And I understand why people like Jeff Petrie. And I, and I like the, the, the work that he's been doing on the power play. He's been doing great because he's got the weapon. He's a dual threat. He has the shot himself and he can make plays for others. Shea Weber is more, you know, more or less, he's the guy that's going to take those shots. You want him taking shots. And that's about other guys. Because if you were to look at the Washington Capitals and say to Alex Ovechkin, that Alex Ovechkin needs to do what John Carlson does as well as what he does, that's adding a little bit more to his to his plate that maybe he shouldn't. Maybe he should just be the guy taking those shots. So you need someone to emerge to do the work that John Carlson does and create avenues for Shea Weber to to get that shot off as much as he can, as Alex Burroughs talked about. So that's the thing. I think the, the issue has never been Shea Weber on the power play because if he can get that shot off, as he did earlier this week against Vancouver, it's going to get to the back of the net one way or the other. Sometimes go through the net even. Uh, so, <laughs> so, Rick, I mean, with that said, we've, we've talked about the special teams and, and more or less, I mean, we've seen an improvement under Dominique Ducharme, that there's been a little bit of a, of a better understanding of what exactly the Montreal Canadiens want to do on the penalty kill and on the power play. You're still not exactly where you want to be, but you're in a better a better place than you were under, under Claude Julien. Uh, that, that much, I think, you can say. But the one thing that has been an issue all season long, as is evident by the 0-7 record, is when you get beyond regulation into overtime and into the shootout. Because that is where we've seen the Montreal Canadiens have some real issues. And, you know, it's it's one thing to see a team, you know, on opening night the Canadiens lose in overtime against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you say, okay, well, yeah, that's understandable. You're playing against the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have a lot of guys that are very good at hockey. And you open up the ice for them, they're probably going to score. But then you look at some of these other results. A shootout loss against the Canucks. Okay. Then you go down and you have an overtime loss against the Ottawa Senators. And then a shootout loss against the Ottawa Senators. And then you have a shootout loss against the... uh, You have a shootout loss against the same Vancouver Canucks. Once again, an OT loss against the Winnipeg Jets. Like, look at these. Some of these should be able to be flipped, right? Especially the shootouts. The shootout should be 50-50. You should have a 50-50 shot at some of these, right? That has been a part of the Montreal Canadiens' play that has been a little bit frustrating for fans is that you see this 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 team especially in the overtime against the Canucks on Monday 
they just were playing they were playing afraid in the thir- in the 3 on 3 overtime their confidence is is wavering clearly at this point well the the Montreal Canadiens are currently uh the only team in the NHL without an uh, without an overtime win um yeah. and 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 so sure that's going to uh, affect uh affect their confidence uh and also these changing um, scenarios, uh, changing philosophies, and and yeah. Dominic Ducharme is trying to implement some new things. We heard last week uh, Jeff Petrie talking about the way they want to defend in over t- in overtime, uh, going on a man to man system. Uh, we're going to play a clip in a second about Jeff Petrie describing how they want to um, uh, on on offense. They want to hold the puck. They want to maintain possession. They wanted to tire out. Uh, the uh, the opposition and in particular uh, against Vancouver, Quinn Hughes. Uh, Quinn Hughes ended up being on uh, for a two minute, more than two minute shift, uh, and that's the aim. Uh, and the thinking there is from Ducharme is that it's going to cause the opposition if if uh, if they're tired out and stuck on the ice uh, to make mistakes either on the line change or make mistakes in judgment. And what we saw is, because this is all new to the Canadians, it was the Canadians who were making mistakes. Yeah. Uh, and, and just the maybe maybe the idea was fine, uh, but unfortunately the execution just wasn't there. Yeah, and, and what you saw in that overtime period, and listen, I think the Canadians, they are built with the philosophy. They're, they want to wear their opponents down. They want to be a tough team to play against, and that doesn't often lend itself to you know skilled play right they do have skilled players i'm not saying that they definitely have skilled players but the confidence isn't there right now so what you saw on monday was jonathan drewan circle back time and time again waiting for an option to present itself and it ultimately was really the only good scoring opportunity the canadians had that overtime which was josh anderson streaking down after building up speed and getting a shot away on thatcher demko and that was basically it that was that was all that you really saw for the montreal canadians other than that, it was just a lot of, of of playing not to lose, essentially, more than playing to win, which is something that, that people have pointed out. Um, but but more or less, look, when you look at the Canadians, that was a game that they needed to win in regulation. So mm-hmm. we can put that to a side and say, you had that game in your pocket. You had that. You need to close that out. You can't lose Adam Gaudet. He's in the most threatening. He's the Canuck in the most threatening position on the ice. You can't lose him. And they did. So... That, to me, is one thing. So we'll put that to one side. But, yeah, when you look at what they've done in overtime and the shootout, it often comes down to skill over will when you get to three-on-three overtime. Like, we've seen Jonathan Drouin thrive in three-on-three overtime in the shootout because he's an incredibly skilled player. That doesn't mean that he's always been great in the five-on-five game. That, that That's just not what it is. When you get to three-on-three overtime, the space opens up, And as I said at the beginning of the season, and I will even add the Ottawa Senators into this when I say this, I think every other team is better equipped to handle a three-on-three overtime and shootout than the Montreal Canadiens at this point. I think that's true. When you look at the Ottawa Senators, you look at at, uh, Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzla, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, Thomas Shabbat, Eric Brandstrom. Like, that's a lot of skill. Like, they're not right there now, obviously, but that's a lot of skill that they have. I don't know if the Canadians have that type of skill. And when you get to the shootout and you have three guys step up, Nick Suzuki, I'm willing to give him a pass because he at least got a shot away on, you know, he pulled off a move. He couldn't get the puck lifted on his backhand. That's that's fair enough. Jonathan Drouin 
the guy that can stick handle in a phone booth, he needs to be able to get a shot off in in a shootout. Like that, just, you need to. Like that's the yeah. that's the one thing when you look at Jonathan Drouin, you're like, well, look, you get to a shootout, you got a guy that can get you a goal. He couldn't get you one. And then Thomas Tatar, and we know that Tatar is very talented. But there's a time and a place for everything. And that was not the time for the Forsberg. That was not the yeah. time for the Forsberg in any way, shape, or form. We know that that's something that's incredibly in vogue now, especially on the power play. Bring it back from below the goal line, between the legs, go in top shelf. We know that. But that's not the time. That is just not the time. When you need a goal, that is not the time for the Forsberg. It was uh, it was it, it was a lame uh, and and yes you're right about Suzuki he couldn't elevate um, he seemed a little nonchalant uh, as if yeah. uh, he was already celebrating uh, Duran losing the puck the way he did uh, inexcusable and Tatar um, Tatar got the <laughs> blunt of the blame blame I think because of of how bad it looked when he tried the between the legs and and it went yeah. nowhere on on uh, Thatcher Demko. Yeah, it, it's you know, and when it looks when it works, hey, you're the you're the hero, you're the guy that pulled it off. But uh, yeah, you, that's the risk you run with uh, that type of a move. But Rick, we've we've had our say on this. We'll, we'll go to Jeff Petrie because Jeff Petrie talked about the defensive strategy. You know, finding your man, staying with your man. That's the defensive strategy. What's the offensive? What's the possession play? What is all that supposed to lead to? Here's Jeff Petrie on that. I mean, I think we have uh, we have a game plan that we we have uh, we have in place that uh, you know we want to try to uh, try to tire them out and and not try to force uh, you know force a play that's gonna you know result in a, a, an odd man rush coming back. So um, you know when when executed uh, properly, it uh, it can definitely pay off. You know the three on three tonight they had uh, they had you know one to hit the crossbar, but I think uh, you know we have a we have a plan in place that we um, that we need to execute and try to tire them out and that's when we need to strike and uh you know i don't think uh you know we had too many chances to to get to their net so i think uh you know it's just a matter of you know it's not something that you you practice too often but uh you know it's to you know i guess watch a little video or uh you know just discuss the you know the options that we have because uh you know getting those points um you know when you do go into overtime are, are huge well, not to disagree with Jeff Petrie, but uh, maybe they should be practicing. He said they don't yeah. practice very often, but uh, uh, okay. Now, if they have a strategy that that they like, and uh, for the most part, it was you know it included um, uh, guys like Jeff Petrie. Although at times, Ducharme went to the three forwards, kind of copying the yeah. Winnipeg Jets approach, and. Um, but they weren't able to execute. Uh, they just weren't able. They had the plan, weren't able to execute. Uh, made made their own mistakes, and and uh, and and that led to uh, their downfall. But they got to do something. Zero uh, and yeah. seven beyond uh, regulation time. Yeah, and and look, <laughs> Jeff Petrie is right when he says that you know these points are valuable. These are going to matter, right? Like, I, I understand that some nights you say like that first game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, you, you had your chance to win that in regulation. Things don't go your way. You don't. You get to overtime. You'll take that point. You'll stash that in your back pocket and say, okay, we have that point for later in the season. That'll be important. But against the Ottawa Senators, you should probably be able to take one of those overtimes, one of those three, one of those shootouts, right? Like, 
that's that's something you should probably be able to split and get a couple of those points because they're going to be valuable at the end of the season. They are. They're going to be important in separating yourselves from teams that are currently below you that could make a push. And the Calgary Flames are one of those teams. And they just made a coaching change to try to fire their group up. And we just saw them um, in that uh, in the second half of a back to back. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see how that all shakes out. But it's clear that they need to work on this a little bit. And Jeff Petrie pointed that out. Um, but Jeff Petrie, it seems that Jeff Petrie, uh, he has has a new fan. Oh, no, he's uh, uh, he's a very good player. Uh, he is a play. He's playing in uh, in the blue line. Oh, it's it's amazing. Uh, I I want his shot. I want his moving in the blue line. It's awesome. Was that a, a fan gushing over <laughs> Jeff Petrie? Uh, that, of course, being uh, the, the most quotable on the team, Alexander yeah. Romanov. And uh, what a delightful clip that is. <laughs> most quotable by a mile. Uh, by a mile, Alexander Romanov. I mean, uh, we yeah, we talk about Yasperi Kutkaniemi and his personality. But yeah, Alexander Romanov is, is just a delight every single time. Uh, so, Rick, we will... Uh, Take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, uh, we'll wrap all this up. We'll talk about our battle in the All Habs Fantasy Hockey League and more. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net.
And welcome back to episode 127 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. So, uh, we had, Rick, we had quite the battle this we week. We did. We had quite the battle. Um, it actually wasn't as even as it probably should have been. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty one-sided by the end of it. Uh, but it was seesaw. It was a seesaw battle for most of the week. And uh, you ended up uh, taking the victory. And you are actually uh, second in the All Habs Fantasy Hockey League at the moment, I believe, behind only behind the guy that I'm playing this week, of course. I'm matched up with Mike Raschel, who is absolutely destroying me 11-1. to 1. <laughs> Uh-oh. It is it is an embarrassment right now, Rick. I'm getting absolutely outclassed in every single way. Uh, it is it's an embarrassment. I have to I have to say the only category I'm winning is shots on goal. Like that's the Claude Julian victory right there. Like what am I? Well, it's it, it's funny. <laughs> funny you mentioned shots on goal because you won that uh, last week too, and I think I yeah. was within. <laughs> I was within two, and there I was cheering for um, uh, Elias Lindholm. Come on, get a shot on net. Get a shot. Yeah. He went through the whole game without a shot on goal. Um, wow. But uh, in, in that last Sunday game. Uh, but, yes, yeah. I was able to uh, vault uh, above uh, our commissioner, Brian, um, for the um, for the division lead in the Norris, and uh, which put me into to second place. Uh, having a tougher match uh, this week, uh, it's been a seesaw 6-5 on either side uh, all week. Uh, but uh, yeah, things are tightening up. Uh, standings are tightening up. And uh, but Mike, Mike is Mike is having himself a, a, a fantasy uh, a hockey year. And and we'll just remind people that we are. Uh, it it hardly seems possible given the season just seems to have started. But we're in. Uh, mid-season already um, of that shorter 56-game season, uh, and uh, that uh, applies to fantasy as well. So yeah, even though I'm I'm still having I'm having a rough time of it lately. I'm still in my division. I'm still leading my division at the moment. At the moment, this all can change. I have 92 points leading my division, and uh, the next closest uh, has 78 points. Um, so yeah, uh, I could still be in third place conceivably by the end of this. Even if I still, if if I don't change any of these categories against Mike, I could still lead my division conceivably. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see if I do. Uh, but Rick, uh, we will say that the Montreal Canadiens uh, this week it's going to keep on coming, right? Like this is going to be a very busy portion of the Montreal Canadiens schedule this week. You have a game against Calgary tonight, of course. Then you have. Two against Winnipeg. Oh, yeah, we get to see those guys again. The Winnipeg Jets on the 15th and the 17th. Then on my birthday, the Montreal Canadiens are playing the Vancouver Canucks, thankfully in Montreal and not in Vancouver because I would not be able to do a midnight start time uh, again. That was not that <laughs> was not an enjoyable experience. Yeah. yeah, and unfortunately, I, I, I've had, I, I just had so much to do. I had to to have a curfew set on myself. I couldn't watch the games live, had to watch them the next morning, which isn't as good. Uh, so I'm happy that they are going to be uh, playing uh, a little bit more favorably uh, in favorable time slots in, uh, in Newfoundland. Uh, but Rick, uh, we will say goodbye for another week here on the Canadians connection podcast. But before I do anything you'd like to say, I'm, I'm going to um, just kind of preview some things that uh, that you should be paying attention to. One is we launched 
uh, a brand new uh, content feature on allhabs.net this week, and it has a tie-in with our YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. Look for the uh, All Habs YouTube channel, and it's been... Uh, ben Danku, uh, who's put uh, in conjunction with uh, Amy Johnson, Johnson, is putting together the Habs Fan Forum. Uh, so once a week uh, on the Habs Fan Forum, you'll find Ben's uh, YouTube reaction. Uh, and the first one was uh, was uploaded this week. You're going to want to see that. And and uh, feel free to comment to uh, to Ben or or to uh, any of our social media channels. The other thing. Uh, and this is through our partnership with uh, the Hockey Podcast Network, and and we've had we brought you some interesting um, promo codes with respect to DraftKings. But we also, through the Hockey Podcast Network, are working on a promotion of a brand new podcast that's going to launch next month, and it's uh, that important uh, discussion of uh, sports figures discussing mental health. Uh, and a very open discussion. The program is, uh, the podcast is going to be called We're All a Little Crazy, and it features uh, Theo Fleury. Um, so we're going to bring you a, a promotion uh, or a, a little preview of that uh, next week because I think it's a very important podcast and a very important um, open discussion that we should all be having. Absolutely, Rick. Uh, very much so. So we'll look forward to that next week. Uh, and we will say goodbye for now on the Canadians Connection podcast. We'll be back with you next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.